the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Dennis Dodd coming up in a little bit. We will be talking about uh, the Big Ten. Uh, we will be talking about players opting out and much more from just sort of the, the landscape as he has seen it. He has been reporting on a, a lot of the pieces behind the scenes. He broke the story of Jamar Chase uh, going, opting out of the season. And so we will be hitting on a lot of those uh, big picture topics as well. Barton, this is uh, this is our last official off season podcast because to, well, we we sort of had I guess we have Central Arkansas buzz last week like leading into Central That's Arkansas true. Austin P. Yeah. We will be the next time we will be in your ear holes. It will be for our week one locks. We're going to be recording that tomorrow Thursday mid morning. Look for it around lunchtime. So, you know, I just wanted to take a little bit and uh, and just sort of reset because I felt like, you know, we went hard early. We're like, okay, spring practice is canceled. Let's just let's just start doing our spring clean. You know, let's 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 di- let's dive in <laughs> on these depth charts and and I think that Barton even said on a podcast he said, "Man, I I hope we have a season because uh I'm going to be more prepared than ever before. <laughs> so our notes uh for some of the conferences at least uh, stick around, but like how are you, how are you doing? You know, how, how are we feeling as, as we approach, uh, this unusual 2020 fall season? Well, I mean, just the way you've, you've sort of introduced this conversation kind of gives me, gives me goosebumps to think that are, are, are we in fact saying goodbye to this horrible off season, ridiculous <laughs> off season? Yeah. Kind of. Is it time? Are yeah. we diving in like officially it is, it is time to be a college football analyst once again instead of a medical uh, an amateur medical expert <laughs> or a uh, you know like like i mean this is this is this is what we've been waiting for um and so this has been uh this has been a trying off season uh and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit dennis but like it's i i the, the more like coaches i talk to right now that are in season uh, that are in preseason practice, like there is, like may, maybe they're wrong, but among them, like there really isn't any um, hesitation and doubt, like there will be a season for them, right. and that's that is that's refreshing, that's encouraging. Now, like they don't all necessarily think that they're going to play every game. Like maybe they get a cancellation or two, maybe you know who who knows what happens, but we're going to have something. And so with that, uh, I am I am giddy about the idea. Of, of of football um because 
you know, since spring gleaning, it's been a, it's been, a, it's been a slog getting through this off season. We, we got to talk about what we got to talk about, but it's been a slog. It has been like the, you know, it, it took a long time to get through questions that, you know, we can offer perspective opinion. We have, you know, sources around college football that can give us their perspectives and opinions, but like, we are past should we play college football? Like that's, it's happening. Like it, right. it is happening. And to, to get, we don't have to cast moral judgment yes, anymore. It's just going to happen. It, we can just, it, it, you know, on his face, like it's football is here. Yes. Prayers for the health and safety of everyone involved. This is a sport that is powering forward the, uh, you know, this weekend we're going to get the American athletic conference. We're going to see conference USA. We're going to see the Sun Belt. We're going to see like one of the best teams in the American athletic conference play one of the best teams in the Sun Belt on Saturday night at eight o'clock on ESPN. And I am so excited about it. Like I, I sat down and I started like mapping out my schedule for the weekend. I was thinking like BYU Navy is going to be an awesome game. Like they, I would be excited for that on a degenerate level anyway, you know, like I would, I would be dialed into BYU Navy, but this is something where it is, I think that we should give ourselves um, some permission to celebrate to your point. Like you should, it is okay to be giddy. Like we, we are going to be very excited to see uh, this sport that we love picking. We love breaking down. um, And it's, it's kind of all about to start. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, every season there's like that, because like this week is the opening weekend was was Central Arkansas, Austin P, um, you know, and like it's been like Stanford Rice before. In Australia? Um, <laughs> yeah, in Australia. Uh, there's been some like weird randos, like opening week games or like there's, you know, there's a handful of them, right? And so you watch whatever the headline open week game is, but then you also like watch every snap of the you know, the, the group of five showdown between like middle of the road Mac and Sunbelt teams. And, and, and that sort of extends for the first couple of weeks. Cause they're just not, there's just only so many marquee matchups. Um, in, in some ways this season could be fun because there's just, few, there's, there's fewer games. Yeah. There's, there's more opportunity to, to have a firm opinion and grip on all of the games because we'll just be able to watch more of them. Uh, relative to the like the like a, a higher percentage of them, I should say, um, and so I think that this could be a really fun year to like really know South Alabama. Yeah, like yeah. You know, like, no, this like, is this is like a get your depth, young man. Like we've got to be able <laughs> we've got to be able to hold our own because if if for example, like I've always um, I've always pointed a finger at like NFL writers and jokingly be like, yeah, y'all are lazy. Like y'all only have to deal with 32 teams, 53 man rods. Yeah. <laughs> and like so many of them stay for long periods of time and even stay on the same teams for long periods of time. And, you know, we're basically looking every two to three years, a team has an entirely brand new identity. You've got Brady white out there, yeah. but like <laughs> for the most part, you've got to sort of reset what the identity of these teams are every two to three years. I mean, I got no excuses. 76 teams. I will give myself, how about this? I will give myself permission to buy the middle of October, narrow my focus to 50 
but I should be 50 deep feeling really, really good about it. And that ain't, that's going to include a lot of teams that don't always get that kind of spotlight treatment in my analysis. I got to say, one of the things I'm most disappointed about heading into this season at this point, now that we've, now that we've reached where we are, I mean, yes, I wish the big 10 was playing or whatever, but, um, not having my Buffalo Bulls oh. is is a tough one to swallow because you've got your UCF Bulls or we're, USF Bulls rather. Ooh, we're playing against Notre Dame on USA. The network yeah. that brings you the WWE <laughs> will be bringing you Notre Dame and USF. That's yeah. That that's a tough one because I don't. I I I, I got to find some fandom out there um, in the you know in the non Power Five ranks. So I don't know. Maybe I can. Maybe maybe Lance Leopold up there at Buffalo will will allow me like a, a you know a side chick uh, for <laughs> for the season. You yeah, know, just someone I can kind of kind of be a fan of for a couple weeks until we get to the spring, the important spring season of the MAC. But um, that I mean that's what to me that's what the season's all about. Like if you're a listener right now. And you aren't going to totally embrace the idea that a Saturday, a Saturday, your Saturday is freed up for watching more than just, you know, the, the Georgia, Florida game. Like you can watch conference USA. You can watch, you can watch rice, you know, you can do it, enjoy it, embrace it. Yeah. Learn about them, have fun. Like, so I'm, that's, that's going to be fun. Absolutely. Uh, coming up on the other side, Dennis Dodd into takes us into like what's going on in the Big Ten, the pressures at play, and whether we can expect opt-outs to become more of a trend even beyond this COVID-impacted season. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined $20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make $13 million more than the entire Mac. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast, senior national college football columnist for CBS Sports. He is Dennis Dodd. Dennis, it has been, uh, an, been an offseason unlike anything that I have experienced. And uh, I, I'm not trying to uh, be an ageist about this, but for perspective, in all the time that you have spent working in the conference realignments and the twists and turns and the backstabbing and, and all the sorts of ways that college football has evolved over time, have you ever experienced uh, any kind of offseason like what we've had here in 2020? No. it's uh, the, the only thing I can compare it to is your right, Chip, the realignment in kind of 2010 and 11 
where there seemed to be something breaking every minute. You know, that, those are the Joe Shad days. Remember Joe Shad, Brett McMurphy face off? Either the, the, the Pac-12 was going to take six teams or they weren't. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, coming down to the wire. Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't just that. It was everything. But this, this is, you know, frankly, much more serious because it's a health issue and it's, it's political and people want to see football and you got to you know, avoid the optics of sending players out there as mercenaries or human shields just to get games in. And so it, it's, it's going to be a book for, for a lot of people. I'm, I'm keeping notes, but I don't, I don't know if I could wrap my head around it if it took me five years from, from, from now. It's crazy. As you've as you've sort of followed it behind the scenes, talked to people, uh, you got your finger on the pulse as well as anybody. What, what, how have you perceived the dealings? Has it been just one big CYA operation where you know everyone's just trying to make sure that they're that that they're covered and make sure that they're doing the right thing to for the optic standpoint? Or is there and it's clear the coaches want to play. It's clear the players yeah. want to play, but. Beyond that, like, how have you um, perceived the motivations of of all the competing factions in this thing, and and just sort of take us through some of the twists and turns that uh, that you've observed on your end of it? Well, I, I think the commissioners are, you know, their their intentions are good, and they're saying the right things. In that, you know, the the safety of the student athlete is first. Okay, we get that. Um, I just wish somebody would say out loud that, you know, we're, we're dancing between the raindrops hoping a thunderstorm doesn't hit because right now, you know, FBS is an outlier. I think 28 of the 32 division one conferences have postponed fall football or something like that. I, I, I thought a number yesterday, but only 14 FCS schools are playing. I don't know of any Division two or three junior colleges. I think is playing, but they're not in the NCAA. No, they're they're, they're they push to the spring. They Jun- push. Has- okay, mm-hmm. so they they are you know officially outliers. I, I think they've you know they've done it. Uh, I think they've done it the right way, but it's their way. In other words, the Big Twelve found a a heart expert uh, online who convinced them that, oh, this myocarditis isn't a big deal. And, and if listeners don't know, myocarditis has been a tipping point, really, for a lot of these conferences playing or not. It's an inflammation of the heart that is caused by COVID. Now, we can argue how often, you know, demographic, age demographic, but they literally found a guy from the Mayo Clinic who tweeted one day, oh, this myocarditis stuff is nonsense. And some president from the Big 12 called him and said, hey, would you, would you like to join our conference call? And that is literally went into the the biggest decision the Big 12 made in playing in the fall. Um, The the Big 10, for whatever reason, found a different uh, conclusion to that. They, as I reported, they had at least 15 cases of myocarditis within the conference before you even started caused by COVID. Um, Some have said 10, some have said five, but that was a genuine concern. Uh, The Pac-12 basically followed the Big 10 uh, the ACC, I think, was was on the fence uh, after the Big 12 committed, and they, you know, they got to where they were. But I, I, I said, when all that happened, I said, find yourself, you know, your own set of medical advisors, and it's like a bunch of uh, expert witness, witnesses in a trial. You know, we'll see who wins. You can come to a predetermined outcome if you if you want to find your own set of medical uh, 
you know, medical advisors. So the fact, I think the fact that they haven't been on the same page for a return to play is the most bewildering because it sets up guys, this monumental finger pointing who's right and who's wrong whenever this washes out. And it may, it may not be a, until a year from now till we know, you know, who quote is right and who quote is wrong in this. But you can see it coming. I mean, they've set themselves up, so we'll see. It feels very relatable. Like I, I even look around <laughs> my own life. I look around my own family and I'm like, you're the Pac-12. You're the SEC. <laughs> like everybody's got their own phases and everybody's got their own protocols. You've got the steps which you are willing to take and the the other steps that you're not willing to take. The precautions that you have and, you know, maybe the times that you're throwing <laughs> caution to the wind. It's, you know, the like it to see no one agree is a very college football and B very much, I think reflects um, what we are seeing sort of in our own lives as we're trying to wrestle with uh, all of the, the complications and the stressors of going through life uh, right now in a pandemic. It, it reflects society. Um, you know, you go from, from state to state, from County to County. And that's another discussion why there hasn't been a national direction on that. But you know, the states have been left to do on their own, even where I live, you know, restaurants are wide open, but that's only because the governor uh, put a, oh, I don't know what you want to call it, shut down restaurants, but then was um, uh, in the state house was attacked by the other party and she had to back down. And so, you know, health norms be damned, you know, uh, it, it's worse in California than it is in rural Nebraska. Uh, and that's that's really impacted the Pac-12, where it's mostly a you know it's it's the most far-flung FBS league, and that's that's counting the Big 12, who has West Virginia, but they're that's an outlier. Um, you know that plays into it. A lot of jet travel, a lot of travel for those teams. Um, you can see what these conferences did in going to conference-only play. Mostly, they're trying to I try to simplify this and say. What they're trying to do is make it as much of a bus league as they can. Now, we know it isn't, uh, but it, there will be more buses taken than there were before because you're in your, your conference footprint. Uh, obviously, the Big Ten goes to the Atlantic Ocean, Nebraska, but um, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I mean, it's within your own family. You know, it, I haven't been out. I can't go out. Uh, my wife's compromised. She's got an issue where she can't... Um, Absolutely. I can't get it because she can't get it, you know, so that that's me. But other people are different. They're having giant parties. So it's I, I, the word I use is bewildering. I'm not making judgments. I just think the whole thing's bewildering. I think I hope everything would be back to normal. So well, go ahead. No, how about it, Chip? Well, I was just going to say, so what <laughs> we are recording for to timestamp this because who knows uh, what the latest developments are going to be. But we are recording here on Wednesday, September 2nd. It's about 10, 14 on the East Coast. And things got ratcheted up a good bit in the Big Ten as the sitting president of the United States first weighed in on Twitter. And then uh, it was confirmed by the White House and confirmed by the Big Ten that a call was arranged and a call took place between Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren and President Trump. And there have been, um, you know, the from the Big Ten side, it is 
Uh, I hear that you would like for us to play football. There are things that we could um, have in terms of resources that could make us feel better about playing football. From the federal government stand, uh, from the uh, president's side, there are um, you know political angles to this. Did you think that we would hit this point, Dennis? And from your reporting, do you believe that? Uh, do you believe that not pressure necessarily from the president, but that pressure and that pressure can come from players that players can, that pressure can come from coaches, that pressure can come from even athletic directors that still want to play. Do you think that this is a, a situation where things are going to tip in a way where we do see the big 10 play football in the 2020 calendar year? I think before answering that, I'll just say I think it's sad that it's gotten to this point in the Big Ten that this, you know, I think this this all could have been mitigated on whatever it was, August 11th, when the league, by the way, six days after it released a fall schedule, decided not to play in the fall. That's another discussion. But it, if there had been a Zoom call with the commissioner explaining this, a detailed document showing the medical procedures that got them to that conclusion. And mostly, mostly, when you go in for that vote or whatever it was in the Big Ten, you come out of there united. Whatever the verdict is, it's unanimous. And that's typically what it is in all these conferences. The, the, the commissioners are strong enough. And that they, guys, I know we have disagreement in here, but when we talk to the media, it's going to be unanimous. Well, we know it wasn't unanimous. It was quite fractured to the point that it even you know, in the in the minutes that followed yet Scott Frost speaking out and some others speaking out about the conference acting too hastily. Um, pressure pressure to start. I, I think the question is is semantics. What caused this reconsideration? What has changed since August twenty eighth? I'm sorry, August eleventh when they made the announcement. They, the Big Ten has to has to answer that question first. The second question is Okay, on August 19th, Kevin Warren issued the big open letter to the Big Ten, the open letter to the Big Ten community. He made it very clear, quote, no intention of playing in the fall. Mm -hmm. That's the second question that has to be answered. Now we know there are considerations that they're looking at playing in the fall. So, pre yes, pressure, pressure is there. I thought Adam Rittenberg from ESPN put it succinctly this week when he said they're going to have to change the minds of six presidents. I don't know if that can happen unless something dramatic happens. I've seen the point made too that um, if you're trying to change the mind of six university presidents, perhaps Donald Trump isn't the right pressure point to exert <laughs> because I'm not sure that those guys are 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 super aligned with Trump. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, you know, hey, maybe the, some of those guys are hardcore Trumpers. Um, I'm curious. Well, it's, it's sad that it's gotten politicized. That's right. the point. It's, right. Look, come on. Now we've even gotten that. But go ahead, make your point. Well, no, I, I, I so um, I, I wanted to take it here because, because I, I, I don't know about you, Dennis, but I am as we sit here today. And granted, everything is is very. Um, Continuous and things can change by the hour, but I am, I feel confident right now there'll be an SEC season, an ACC season, a big 12 season, uh, and, and even group of five season among the, the programs or the conferences that haven't canceled. So if we assume, and there's going to be a college ball playoff, if there's a season, they've already announced it. 
So, and, and I, you know, I hope I'm not uh, thrusting this on you without you kind of thinking through this. So, you know, feel free chip if you have an opinion on this too, but I am curious what the long-term implications could be for the big 10 for conference equity. If there is a season and there is a national champion and the Big Ten, whether they start in November, October, or January, they're not going to be part of the national championship or the college football playoffs. What are the lasting impacts of that? Well, recruiting, first of all, um, you know, there, there's two things that, that immediately come to mind to me. There's going to be a point if things go as as progress as promised here in the fall that I think the Pac-10 and uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to be allowed a 20-hour work week just like everybody else, sort of like a spring practice maybe in November. They're going to be doing everything that those uh, other conferences are doing except play games on Saturday. And those players are going to be sitting in their dorms going, what the heck are we doing? You know, <laughs> uh, They will not have uh, you know, played football for at least a year. It's going to have a mental impact on it. If they go through, even if they if they pl- start on Thanksgiving week or not, let's say they start in January, you run. Think about this scenario: uh, coming up on ABC, Clemson, Alabama, and the national championship game. And don't forget this Saturday, Big Ten football, Indiana and Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's going to be discouraging to everybody involved. Not only that, but what are you playing for in in the spring? Uh, I wrote the story last week about the. I called the CEO of the Rose Bowl. And he said, I hadn't heard from either conference, which was fine. But but even that, is that enough? Is a second Rose Bowl when the first one is a semifinal for the national championship? You know, the, the CFP has already drawn its line in the sand. We're going to give a national championship to these 76 schools. They're going to play for it. So, yeah, I think the long-term implications are are certainly short-term and long-term are, are recruiting. Um you know, they're going to be playing if they again, if they play next year, how do you wedge in two seasons in one year? Um, and what at what point does player welfare come into that? And do you impact another season? Do you play two eight game seasons in 21 to mitigate that impact on the student athlete? So it's far it's far reaching to me. I think the Big Ten will be fine long term. I think that there definitely could be some short-term couple recruiting cycles, maybe some some battles that are lost along the way. But you know, I've I've made this point before. I think those are huge universities with massive alumni bases that fill a hundred thousand seat stadiums, and most of those schools are not competing for national championships. Like they they weren't. Most of those Big Ten programs were not starting the year with thoughts of playing for a national championship. They were playing for the old Oaken bucket or Paul Bunyan's ax. And like, we can laugh at, you know, what, Oh, is that all you're going to be playing for? But I, I do think that long-term big picture, there's just far too much tradition in a conference that's existed for more than a century at this point. Well, I guess my, my question, and I'm not even make, I'm not even, it's not even my opinion. It's just sort of my, my pos, my posturing. My question is just sort of, it's not even, I mean, the SEC is already considered the best conference in college football. I'm just sort of curious if having a real season with a national championship and then having the exhibition season of Pac-12 Big Ten, if that's like further creates 
a, a divide between the SEC and everyone else. Yeah, I, um, I just called it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that that, that that's the extent of what yeah. I'm saying. I just I just called it stratification. There's further stratification of the Power Five. I don't know what what eventually the out, outcome is of that. But if you think the Big Ten folks or some Big Ten folks are upset now, again, think about when people look back at the 2020 season and the national champion is whoever, and the Big Ten and Pac-12 didn't even compete for it. Um, you know, uh, what, what, you know, that, that's taking shape right now in recruiting, you know, that, um, Barton, where, you know, coaches are saying, Hey, that they're not even going to be playing for anything. Well, I don't even know what these guys are doing. So come with us. I, I, I thought we'd see a lot of players from those two conferences transferring for, you know, to, to the three in the fall. But I guess the, I think I saw this, the NCAA has said, you cannot use as a waiver exception uh, the fact that one conference is playing and another is not to get a waiver. I, I guess that's okay, but look, we're three months away from this being uh, legislation anyway, so they might as well just allow it. You know, we we all know in January the the one-time transfer waiver is going to be approved. So these are the last dying vestiges of that. When you look at expert picks across the country for this 76 team season. It's not that different. Like Ohio state's out of it, but it's, you know, everybody What's everybody filling out Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson. Like it is the same four that probably would have been put in everyone's predicted playoff anyway, except for again, Ohio state. So congratulations, Georgia. You're now uh, into the picture as well. Like that's (laughs) I, I, I I will say for the, cause you mentioned equity, so the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have a share of college football playoff revenues. Then correct, and is that correct? Yes, I. I yes, and I, I, then I there's know, the bonus. I, I don't of, know the answer to that. All I know is that's a great question. Four hundred and seventy-five million on average distributed every year by uh, ESPN to the college football playoff. To that's all 10, and that that's to all to the answered. conferences, right? To, to all conferences. 80% right. goes to the Power Five. Well, if the Pac-12 and Big Ten aren't participating, do they just get a share out of, you know, just because, hey, we're all buddies here? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Because And then there's the bonus that comes from actually making, the co- when you have a team make the college football playoff. Isn't it similar to the NCAA tournament in that there is some financial reward for being one of those teams? Uh, if there is, I don't think it's sizable so, enough. In other words, you mean like a unit that the, they right. play for in the tournament? Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that. Um, but there may be, I, I don't think it's sizable enough to register. I know those, the group of six, uh, if you have a group of six, I'm sorry, a new year's day, um, new year's day bowl participant, you get $6 million extra. And there's no, there's no limit to how many teams you can have in the group of six as there is no limit to how many teams you can have in the playoff. Cause that's what I was thinking is that the, you know, in terms of just equity, like, like the PAC 12, for example, cause for some reason, no, I mean, not for some reason that is uh, dismissive and uh, going too far. The, the PAC 12 doesn't have County health officials that will approve even practicing right now mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. not half of its conference, but a significant portion of its conference. And I know that drove a lot of the PAC 12's decision. But 
the Pac-12 could be looking at this and saying, okay, we're still going to get the same check from the college football playoff, even if we're not playing for it. And we're just not going to send uh, our teams out there. You could sit back, not play, and still receive the same check that you would have anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. the. Are you talking about if they don't play at all until next fall or just play next year? Or play in the spring. Like If they don't play and a college yeah. football playoff is held, then the Pac-12, as one of the conferences and one of the stakeholders yeah. in the college football playoff, still gets its regular cut of $475 million. I think that's a story to pursue. And I, try, I did a story earlier this summer on kind of like what, what is happening now. What's the playoff going to look like? We know now. What's the distribution going to look like? Basically, the answer I got was, well, that's going to be a discussion between the conferences and the rights holders. So that's going to be a discussion between ESPN and and the conferences. I do know that the Pac-12 and Big Ten get, I think it's $40 million each per year to distribute from the Rose Bowl. Now, what does that mean when you're adding a second Rose Bowl where the first one was a semifinal. I, I don't know the answer to that. So I think those discussions, if they're not being had, they're trying to launch the season right now. But eventually those are going to have to be had. And they're going to be pretty uh, pretty skittish, I think, when you're talking about that amount of money. 80% of that 475 goes to the Power Five. And that's a big part of their budgets. I mean, we saw what just, just canceling the NCAA basketball tournament turned college athletics on its ear. If ESPN says, eh, you know what, um, Michigan wasn't, wasn't involved in the playoff and, you know, USC w- wasn't eligible for the playoff, so we're not going to pay as much. Whoa, 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 what happened, you know? I don't, I don't even know if that language even exists in the contract. I doubt it does. Maybe it does. Dennis, you broke some of the biggest opt-out news in college football uh, when Jamar Chase decided to forego uh, 2020 season. What has been uh, what what's been the pulse of of the opt out situation and and are you hearing like it's is it your impression that this is basically kind of agent driven like you know just just there's a lot more pressure to go ahead and pull the plug um, or is is there other elements at play like is it legitimately a health issue what what are you hearing in terms of you know what is driving the decisions to opt out. At, at least at the top of the food chain, it's definitely agent-driven because they're using COVID as a cover for um, for these players to opt out. In fact, I I think the story just posted today on I did a big piece on it, where you know I'm sure the conversation with Jamar Chase went something like this: You're a top five pick. If you play, you can only drop. In other words, mm-hmm. you catch COVID, you get injured. You know, you you can't get any better than you are right now. So why play? Yeah, or you just have like an 800 yard season instead of like a 12 whatever the hell he had last year. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, you you know, and and you preserve yourself. You have more, you know, on the back end where you can earn money for for playing football. Um, That's a concern at the top of the food chain. Uh, There there have been others that have just opted out for concerns over COVID. But I think I think there's two things at work here. Uh, the, the, either this is a one-off and we'll all go back to normal where it's three years and out or that the concern starts with 2018 and Nick Bosa who had that core muscle injury in September I think after three games two or three games and then just shut it down and started preparing for the draft 
And guess what? It worked. He was the second mm-hmm. pick in the draft by the 49ers. So do people look at, at Jamar Chase? Do people look at, uh, you know, Greg Russo from Miami? And, you know, and they're drafted in high positions and didn't play because of COVID and it worked for Nick Bosa. You know, we, we all, not we, but a lot of people lost their minds when Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, Fournette you know, didn't play their bowl games. Well, this is the next step. And I think it would have, you know, a, a big impact, at least the coaches who are counting on these guys. They would only play, you know, in some cases, like Justin Fields. Can we assume that Justin Fields has probably played his last college snap if things stay as is? I think so. I think so. You yeah. know, I, I, he will have played one full season. Heck of a player. But, you know, sa- saving his legs, saving his body for the NFL, that's, that might be the new look, at least at the top, the, the elite prospects. Are all agents villains? Because coaches definitely want to paint the agents to be villains. Yeah, yeah it gets, it gets not, a little not, bit weird no. that it consistently coaches and then schools too. I mean, that was you know a big part of the NCAA cases that we've seen over the last 20 years or so is really painting all of these agents as villains. And a, a lot of times... I don't know. I I feel like it's a very, very broad brush. And I understand that the coaches are uniquely motivated because the agents represent the loss of a player. You know, that's, that is something that is very impactful to their program. Uh, You know, if you're trying to have a, a program in a locker room where everybody's on the same page, uh, you know, the agents who come in and are talking to some guys, but not to others, I can understand from a, leadership and a team building standpoint, I will listen to your argument, but I am not, I'm not sure if I'm all the way uh, following the narrative that all agents are villains and threats to college football. They're, they're not. I mean, it's a little bit hypocritical. These coaches work with agents who negotiate, I think we all agree, outlandish buyouts, you know, so you can't say something about one and not about the other. Now, are they, are the runners on campus or the, do the Christian Dawkins exist in college football? Yeah, it's largely unreported and talked about there. I think there's a national agent law. I know there's agent laws in 32 of the 50 states, but they're, they're not enforced. You know, if you want these guys out of here, they're breaking the law. The good ones don't. The good ones, you know, will do things by the book, but still encourage these guys juniors to leave because they think it's time so no they're they're not all bad um in in this case i think again it's a one-off that may become a trend that these coaches are are upset about that they're losing these players because the because the conditions have dictated that they can so no i it's it's um you know oh that's the point i wanted to make they are going to have to embrace agents. I think that's the, the right word in, in this new NIL future mm-hmm. because in social media alone, you're going to have marketing managers sitting across the table from ADs, associate ADs, and coaches talking about the value of their of their client that has nothing to do with football, and eventually it's going to turn to playing time. It's going to get to a very uncomfortable place where my guy needs more exposure to to be very frank about it, to boost his social media following. And that's coming. You, you saw an announcement yesterday by a group that has basically started up to represent players in NIL. We don't even know what NIL is going to look like. But it, it is going to be, we, we've, we've seen the proposal, it's going to allow agents. The Rice Commission 
encouraged the NCAA, and they adopted more agent interaction with basketball players. So it's some of that is almost a moot point. When when you think about this uh, this year's NFL draft, think about this guy. So uh, n- number one pick probably Trevor Lawrence. All right, then mm-hmm. it'll be maybe some order of Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Penny Sewell, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, Gregory Rousseau, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what? How many names did I just list? Like seven. A like, whole yeah. bunch that aren't playing. Yeah. Six of the top seven will not have played football this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, seven, seven of the top 20, uh, uh, Ryan Wilson, our draft guy, or our NFL guy, I just used his list. Seven of the top 20 that he has right now have either opted out or or are likely to have played their last college snap because they play in the Pac-12 in, uh, in Big Ten. But go ahead. No, I mean, that was, that was, the, that was the entirety of it. It's just uh, it's, it, that will be um, – That'll be that'll be different. That'll feel weird, and and it, it is sort of interesting to to wonder if that starts to normalize um, what's to come, in, uh, in in terms of some of these decisions that guys will be making. Yep, no doubt. I think it's uh, it, it's almost got a basketball feel to it, where you know, if if they could, they don't. They draft these guys um, out of high school, and they certainly would if they could. Uh, they just they just want the. The NBA, to, they want the colleges to protect them from making stupid decisions because Kobe's and um, and guys like that are once in a lifetime. You know, they'd all pay, draft them and pay them top dollar. But would that 18 year old work out? But you made and the it's, point it's starting to get that way in football. Go ahead. You Well, you did a good job of also showing the, the Nick Saban argument where he pulls up all of the mock drafts and he is calculated. Uh, Barton, I don't know if you've seen this. Saban's got it calculated that uh, over the last X number of drafts, uh, mock drafts have cumulatively overvalued Alabama players by 700 draft spots. Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> like, yeah. like he's, he was basically saying like, look, like all y'all can't all be first rounders and yeah. all y'all are not all going to be first rounders. And he got some staffer to go back and say, I know what these guys are telling you, but listen, like, you're not all going in the first round. Yeah. This was a huge study that he commissioned and he did it for that, for that purpose. So he can go to these guys in December and go, Hey, look, and there, there's, there's parts of it. I can't talk about because it's, I've, you know, details about it. I can't, but that's just, you know, you, you got it, um, chip that you guys are, you guys are way overvalued and, Alabama players are particularly overvalued in the draft. That doesn't sound good for Alabama, but it suits Nick Saban's purpose. And it's true, at least for that study. Yeah, that's a a fact from a story that you can read on CBSSports.com right now by Dennis Dodd. It's from the opt-out story. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much. It was great to catch up with you again. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on 
It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.